Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin. Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Well, hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. Look who's back. <laughs> the, dynamic, hey the dynamic duo. <laughs> Getting the band back together. <laughs> the band is back. Woo! All right. So we've got a lot of content, uh, and not as much time, but a lot of content. So we are going to get to it. And I am going to just start sharing my screen so I can show you guys uh, some movies. And it's going to be real cool. All right. Are you going to start with breaking? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we, we've got five new movies today. First one is a fact-based film called Breaking. Uh, this originally was titled 892 and played the film festival circuit. And then it was released in theaters not long ago under the new title. So uh, you may find it listed different places under either of those names. Um, Breaking is a fact-based story that tells us uh, the tale of a um, an Iraq war veteran named Brian. Um, um, <laughs> I can't remember his last name. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he was um, a Iraq war veteran who came back with PTSD and basically became unable to support himself, unable to support his family and was sort of lost and put onto the streets of Atlanta, trying to fend for himself. The one thing he was depending upon was his uh, disability checks from the Veterans Administration. And at one point, one of his checks ended up getting confiscated to pay off an old education loan that he claimed was an error, but he wasn't getting very far with the Veterans Administration to straighten it out. And as a result, he became desperate. He was the kind of person who typically would not hurt a fly, but because he was essentially placed on the edge by the system, he ended up deciding that he needed to take action. And he ended up deciding to uh, hold up a bank. But the odd thing about it was when he held up the bank, he really wasn't demanding any money from the bank itself. Uh, he wasn't doing anything to try and uh, uh, hurt anybody. He was just get, trying to get the word out about his situation. And... Uh, basically, the whole situation got dialed up to an extreme standoff level. And suddenly, what was a, a plea for help ended up becoming a, a dangerous situation. And it's a, a very, very moving film. Yeah, it's uh, a wonderful film. Of, yeah, in terms of trying to get the message across about the plight of veterans who, you know, when they were called upon to serve their country, uh, they did. And when they wanted to get their needs attended to afterward, essentially, they ran to a very discompassionate system. All he wanted was like 800 and some odd dollars. That was $892. $892.36. 800, and yep. that's all this guy wanted. And he didn't want it from the bank. The teller was going to give it to him. He didn't want it from that. It was a matter of 
you know what? The system took it from me. The, you know, the VA owes me this money. You don't owe me the money. You don't owe me the money. The VA owes me this money and they need to pay up. And you know what? Uh, he was so polite and I don't know why they were so afraid of this guy, but he, he had a homemade bomb. He had a homemade bomb. Yeah. When he, when, and he said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to kill you, but this, we are going up today. And he knew that he was going to die that day. And it was, it was a little disappointing. I thought it was a little disappointing that the police were just overkill, but and then they sit there. Well, that happens in situations like that. You know, the situation gets dialed up to such an extreme level yeah. so quickly that suddenly everything is like blown completely out of proportion. Yeah. And the thing that was interesting was the fact that, as I said, you know, people who knew him said he was not the kind of person who would hurt a fly. Right. And in this case, he let go all the customers who were in the bank. Yeah. He let go all the employees except for two of them. And he told them if he decided he was going to blow things up, he would let them go first. Yeah. And, you know, he even uh, in the course of the standoff, he even like pretty much let them have the run of the bank while they were there. And yeah, he could have left any time, really. He even <laughs> answered an incoming phone call and took a message from one of the employees <laughs> who he had let go. And he was super polite. Very good. at yeah. it. He could have had a job doing that. Yeah, it was uh, very interesting. And the thing is, you know, it, it, it was all over trying to get the point known that he was owed this money and that he was one of just many veterans who was put in this position. It was really disappointing. He's contacting the media. The media doesn't really care that much. You know, she tried to get after during this information, but it would have been really easy just to, to send out there. This guy just wants his money from the vet. You know, that's it. Like, this is why, why he's here. And, and, you know, and the police could have called the VA. This is why he's here. Can you guys not, you know, talk to him? And when they called the ex-wife, I mean, they, they, they put FBI in her house for what reason? I didn't yeah. understand. Like, what are they, you know, sitting there with her for? I didn't get that. Well, they were trying to see if it was, uh, they were saying it was procedure and yeah. that, you know, they contact people to try and get the background on them and so forth. But, they weren't asking you know, her. They were babysitting her. And I think, you know, because it, it was a little bit racial. Yes. Yeah. Oh, more than a little bit. Yeah. More than a little bit. Yeah. Because the thing that's interesting, too, is the negotiator who they brought in uh, to handle the situation, uh, like, you know, um, the lead character was also black. And he was sort of pushed to the background initially. He was. And yet he was the one who was most likely going to be able to help resolve the situation because he was experienced in this kind of work and he had a background not unlike you know the protagonist himself yes, yeah so that he could relate to one another that's why he essentially he was brought in but then he wasn't really allowed to do his job right away once he got there yeah he was and you know? and the other interesting thing was when he asked the the employee the branch manager have you been robbed before and she said yes he said what happened to that person and she said oh he went to jail he was he was white then yeah yeah exactly yeah. Uh, this is uh, the, one of the things I really liked about this movie is the acting is just super really, really across the board. This film won the award at the Sundance Film Festival for Best Ensemble Cast. And it's very easy to see why. The lead role played by John Boyega, who's best known from the uh, Star most recent Star mm -hmm. Wars trilogy. This is really a breakout role for him, showing that he's got a lot more acting chops than he's shown previously. And also, it's a really terrific showcase for Michael K. Williams in one of his last film performances as a negotiator. And the two, the two of them working together is just a really dynamic duo. It was a really good movie. Performances.
So I recommend this one really highly. I'm giving this one four and a half out of five stars. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, so next we have another film that's uh, <laughs> kind of timely in terms of what's going on with the student loan crisis. Uh, it's called Emily, Emily the Criminal, and it tells the story of a young woman who is absolutely burdened with a huge amount of student loan debt that she's unable to pay off. And because she has a criminal record, she has trouble finding work that will enable her to raise the money to be able to pay it off. And she's really starts out making a valiant effort to try and play this straight, but she keeps getting thwarted by a system that just says, sorry, we're going to hold you down and keep you in place. And, you know, this is what you have to do in order to yeah. get through this. You can tell she was a hard worker. Yes. And she decides when she gets a tip to go uh, uh, earn a quick $200 from a coworker. Uh, she decides to pursue it, and it ends up that she's been recruited into an operation where she's a, called a dummy shopper, which is essentially a setup for a credit card scam. And she's really good at pulling it off, so the boss of that ring says, hey, do you want to do more of this, and you can earn a lot more money. And she ends up getting sucked into this ring of you know, <laughs> crime and corruption, but she's good at it. Yeah, <laughs> and, she's very good you know, at it. <laughs> and you know she's got this these debts she has to pay off and the system is not letting her get ahead so she decides to keep pursuing this and she ends up getting pulled into quite a really uh thrilling treacherous situation yeah to i love this you know, movie this is like yeah. one of my favorite movies yeah and i, and I love mean, this movie <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's kind of interesting that this movie came out just as they decided to, you know, forgive student loans to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, maybe they, maybe they saw the scenario here and said, "Hey, we got to do something about it." I don't it. know, man. But you, you know, know what? I don't even but, know if she bothered to pay it off in the end if she even cared. But yeah. <laughs> but the uh, the thing that's really uh, that's really interesting about this film is that it shows that you know even if you try to toe the line and follow the you know standard accepted path you can still get screwed by it because it's not necessarily going to work out to your favor so and people are, are trying to yeah. screw people all over i mean this intern bullshit for you know work for well if you work for us for five or six months and we'll decide if we're going to hire you oh she goes yeah. and how much do i get what's you know is there a stipend or what no 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 you, you work for free you, like it's a privilege to work here yes. for nothing <laughs> it's a privilege to work for <laughs> exactly. nothing and how do you eat and pay your rent I don't know. Yeah, that, I really hate that. That's just ridiculous. So this is a, a film that is a very strong cautionary tale, you know, in terms of people who want to take out that kind of debt to go to school, for starters. Uh, but it's also a cautionary tale to the system in terms of, you know, you can't keep screwing over people like this because you're going to end up paying a price for it. Um, it's a... I mean, and how many times do people have to pay their debt to society? Yes. How many times before yeah, exactly. you just look the other way? But she did this have a little bit a, of a, you know, psychologically, she's a little dead. Yes. This this film is a tremendous showcase for Aubrey Plaza. I mean, she's really coming mm -hmm. into her own as a very talented actress. And this is a great showcase for her 
Uh, I really liked her performance. I, I'm hoping that she won't get forgotten in award season because I really think this is an award-worthy performance that she gives here. I haven't um, seen her before. What, what else was she in? She's been in, um, she was in a movie that came out a couple of years ago called Ingrid Goes West, where she, which was about social media mm. uh, and somebody who is like a victim of a lot of social media problems. Uh, and she also um, made a film a number of years ago called Safety Not Guaranteed, which is about uh, uh, being a uh, companion for a would-be time traveler. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> but i really like this film and, this is and, a good film. and it's it, you know one of the things that i find interesting too is it has it's had tremendous staying power i mean this is a little independent film that i thought was going to be in and out of theaters in two weeks it's still playing there wow. after almost a month and month and a half yeah now. it's not playing in my area you know? it never did but um, you can still get it on apple yeah, I mean, it's uh, it is it's probably nearing the end of its theatrical run, but I'm willing to bet it's going to be available for streaming probably pretty soon. So uh, I would definitely catch it. I would give this one definitely four out of five. Absolutely. Okay. So speaking of cautionary tales, we also have Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, which is a, a film that's um, been called a, a mockumentary in the same vein as movies like This is Spinal Tap and the um, the movies like Best of Show and some of the other films. Uh, this tells the story of a uh, power couple who run a mega church in Atlanta, uh, where the pastor has had a fall from grace from as a result of allegations against him for sexual impropriety, and the two of them want to work together to kind of get back on top again to the place that they had been previously. Uh, only, unfortunately they run into any number of hilarious snags along the way. I mean, this is a, a really funny film in so many ways that, uh, you know, they get their comeuppance, but they try to combat it and just unfortunately don't seem to be able to overcome it. Um, it's a film that has its share of serious moments in it, which uh, sometimes can be a little bit heavy handed, but the thing is, I think it's really trying to stress the importance and the significance of the issue behind the deception that's often associated with pastors who run these organizations, who try to fleece their congregations, who end up, you know, sticking their hands in the cookie jars that they shouldn't be putting them into, particularly where sexual encounters are incur in involved. Yeah, um, it's um, you know, it's a, definitely one that makes you laugh, but also makes you think. And it's a, a great showcase for Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. They're, they're Who I love. Is the power couple. <laughs> I wanted to love this movie so much. And I just didn't. Not like, the, you know, I couldn't get into it. And I love that kind of satirical stuff. I really do. And I go, oh, this is going to be great. I can't wait to see this. And it wasn't as, I don't know, it wasn't as funny for me. Maybe it was my mood that day. I don't know. Because I love both of them so, so much. And I like that style of movie. And, but I think it was, you know, there's a, there's another one on, on TV. I think it's called Evergreen or something, which is a, a black power couple first lady in the church. It might be like a satirical of, of that as well. I I have a feeling, but uh, yeah. Well, I think this one really wants to get, wants to get you under your skin. And in, to, in many cases, I think it's trying to be a wake up call to the people who are falling for these kinds of organizations. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to be legitimately spiritual and legitimately religious 
Yeah. But when it's hypocritical and it's got an agenda behind it, as so many of them do, I mean, look at how many cases you hear of people, you know, who run these big organizations and suddenly they fall victim to some really horrendous scandal of one form yeah. or another. Just you know? look at their homes in their exactly. cars. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, and I mean, you see that with the, with the, the lifestyle that these two lead with their cars and their yeah. mansion and, yeah. and well, their designer clothes, but they're actually pretty ridiculous most of the time. Yeah. With yeah. These garish colors and mismatched patterns. That and they you too can look like me. <laughs> <laughs> you too can wear this because God will give it to you if you just want it. Yeah, you know, and you, also, you also see uh, a lot of the hypocrisy among uh, congregation members as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they end up being, you know, so, oh, so polite to one another, but they're two faced as anything. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Know, particularly the uh, particularly the people who are the uh, uh, the ones who run the competing troops that they're up against. They come across as being oh, so spiritual and oh, so devoted. But they've got their own agendas as well. So yeah, they wanted to be the number you know, one, the that first lady. So I, I give this one um, three and a half out of five. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's like I say, it, it does sometimes come across as a little heavy handed, which um, I found kind of pushed the boundaries a little bit. But when, uh, when the humor works in this one, it's just hilarious. It's just, yeah. you know, I, I do love those too. Yeah. Love, love, love them. So talking about satires, we have a, a new film from Spain called The Good Boss, which tells the story of the owner of a company that makes precision industrial scales. Uh, one obviously very concerned with balance. Obviously, some rather symbolic imagery involved in that. Yeah. Um, he's um, His company is up for a regional business award. He wants desperately to win it. And he'll do anything to make sure that he does, including making sure that he can uh, do anything to save off anything that might be creating a scandal or creating a bad impression with the public, even if that involves him getting involved in the lives of his employees, both professionally and personally. And what might start out appearing as being the concern of a compassionate boss ends up being like very intrusive meddling after a while. <laughs> uh, and his meddling, unfortunately, keeps getting him into deeper trouble all the way through. So he has to keep upping the ante in terms of the kinds of steps that he takes to fix things, which gets him even further, deeper and deeper into, you know. I love Javier. I yeah. think uh, he's like one of my favorite, favorite actors. And, and Javier Bardem is absolutely perfectly cast in the lead role for this film. I mean... He just plays it with the right amount of insincerity to be believable without looking like, you know, yeah. a caricature. Um, and it, it's a really interesting satire, not just of the individual CEO, but also about the business world, too, in general. It's sort of symbolic of what the business world claims it wants to do for its customers, what it wants to do for its employees. And, well... You know, you can't really trust what they're saying because there's always an agenda that's behind yeah. these things. Um, this uh, film, unfortunately, it starts out a little bit slow. The first hour is a little bit tedious, but you're, you know, you're getting the setup for everything that's going to come. But I think they could have quickened the pace on it a little yeah. bit. Mm -hmm. But in the second hour, I mean, this film is just it just absolutely takes off. I mean, it, it gets wickedly funny, dark, you know, dark humor. 
Um, and it's just interesting to see how this character sinks further and further and further into the morass and tries to get himself out and ends up, you know, getting his own share of comeuppance as a result. Uh, this is um, this is a, a wonderfully funny movie. It's won a lot of awards at film festivals. Mm -hmm. I think I saw where uh, yeah, it was nominated. It's been nominated for fifty awards and it's picked up thirty along wow. the way. Wow! 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 You know, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm, and what know, are you giving this film? I'm giving this one three and a half. You know, if it, if the first hour had been a little bit stronger, I would have been you know given a higher score. But it's a little bit slow on that front. Um, it's currently playing theatrically. It will probably be streaming pretty soon. Mm -hmm. So, so take a look for that. And then the last of our new movies, this is available on the Showtime cable TV and the Showtime streaming service. We have McEnroe, which tells, uh, it's a documentary about the tennis great John McEnroe. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times sports documentaries, they give you the rundown of, oh, the person did this and the person did that. And it's pretty straightforward as a chronology or of, a, of their biography. But this one goes a step further. Um, because McEnroe was known as like the, the bad boy argumentative tennis player, it wants to find out why he was like that. And when it probes into his personality and looks at him from a character study standpoint, you find out that you know he was an almost pathological perfectionist in terms of always wanting to be the best. And that carried over eventually into, you know, his play on the court where, you know, if anything, any calls went against him, he disagreed with, you know, then you'd see the tantrums come out and so forth. And unfortunately, those characteristics kind of carried over into his personal life as well. Um, here he ended up being, you know, the most successful male tennis player of the modern era. Yet he openly admits it just doesn't seem like a big deal. Why is that? I mean, if he's been that successful, why is he that dissatisfied, you know, with what he did? Mm -hmm. uh, and this film gets into that. It explores um, how he felt through a series of monologues that he gives, uh, through interviews with family members, uh, with his second wife, rock star Patty Smythe, uh, some of his friends and fellow tennis players like Bjorn Borg and Billie Jean King. It really combines different genres in a documentary that you really wouldn't expect a sports a sports story and a character study combined in one film that really sets it apart from what a lot of other sports documentaries and a lot of other biographical films do in general yeah i just looked it's up to see going. if he was a virgo because they're extreme, extreme <laughs> <laughs> perfectionist but he he's actually at the at the tail end of aquarius yeah, with, with mm -hmm. Virgo in his third house of, of Jupiter. So yeah, he's got it. He's got it strong. <laughs> so um, this is um, this was a kind of a sleeper. I was I was you know very pleasantly surprised by this one. Uh, certainly turned out to be much more engaging than I thought it was going to be. Um, and like I say, it's it's playing on the Showtime cable network and the Showtime streaming service. Uh, I give this one four stars. Wow. Okay. So, one of our better ones. Um, so as, as everybody knows, the show was on summer vacation last month, but just because we were on summer vacation doesn't mean that we weren't watching movies. And I wanted to give you a quick recap of a few of the things that I saw that uh, are worth seeing. And uh, one of the films that we I watched was a dark comedy called Queen of Glory, 
tells the story of a, a girl who's a, an immigrant child, wants to um, essentially establish herself as a modern American woman, but she's being drawn by her immigrant parents' background who are from Ghana. And uh, just as she's about to kind of break away and finally be herself, her mother unexpectedly dies and she's left to settle her mother's estate. And that's pulling her back to her roots, which she's been trying to get away from. And you end up seeing somebody who's kind of torn between wanting to be a modern American woman and also having to live up to these traditional obligations. Puts her in a lot of really funny situations. Um, this is a movie that's been a long time coming. It was made in like 2014, just wow. recently got a release um, and ended up picking up a couple of award nominations in 2021. Yeah. It played briefly in theaters. Uh, it's probably going to be on streaming very soon. I think it's going to come out next week. I, I wasn't yeah. able to see it because I think it was like on the 13th of October, something like okay. that. It's going to come out. Um, it's it's a short film. It's only like seventy five minutes long, oh, so it's not something really? that's you know it's not really going to be trying your patience, but it gives you a lot of laughs along the way, and it gives you know anybody who's had to deal with controlling parents <laughs> can certainly relate to what's going on here, uh, especially those who come from immigrant backgrounds who are you know really um, sort of trying to be loyal to their families, but also to well, try and be themselves as well. So. Yeah. This, this one's fun. Uh, this one is, um, I give it four stars. Nice. Um, next, we have Costa Brava Lebanon, which is a really interesting uh, story. It's a combination of domestic drama and ecological drama. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a family that leaves Beirut to go and uh, live in the wilderness and get away from law, the strife of city living. And after about a decade of doing so, they're finally at a point where they're just about, you know, really happy. But suddenly, the government moves into their uh, their territory, which is a mountain sanctuary, and decides to build what's supposed to be a green landfill directly next door to them. And well, for one thing, it doesn't really live up to its billing, but it also ends up exposing cracks in the foundation of the family in terms of the way they have to deal with this. Yeah. So you have these two forces kind of pulling at each other. You know, you have the, the domestic drama where the family's trying to sort things out and also the family struggle with the government to say, hey, clean up your act because you're right on our doorstep. Yeah, um, I mean, the mom was a, a professional singer, very well known yeah. in the community. The 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 little girl, Reem, what an amazing actress. She Well, they're twins, yeah. her, her and her sister, Gianna and Sienna, Sierra, they, you know, just an angry little girl and she plays it just amazing amazing and the and then the coming of age of the of the older sister you know yes. she's been so isolated she hasn't seen anybody and grandma lives there you know syrians like one thing about watching syrian they're like non-stop smokers and, and, yes. and ecologically and health-wise like they're eating all oh, the here's a leaf and eat it be healthy you know they're smoking non-stop you know and it, 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 I always feel like I can't breathe when I'm watching them now, you know, but is it, but grandma's like, like a emphysema or something. And she's got the, the oxygen, and then take a smoke and then the oxygen mask and the smoke. Right. It's like, Oh my God, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I guess the little girl's coping mechanism is to count. She counts when she, yes. you know, when she's upset or, or a little nervous or whatever. It was interesting. I did like it a lot. I liked it. Yeah, and the, and the dad is he's a real idealist in terms yeah. of trying to live this sort of idyllic lifestyle, and yet 
you know, how far are you going to go with that? Because it really becomes almost an obsession for him in terms of trying to get by. Yeah, I mean, their toxic waste is dumped right in front of them. I guess guess it was his sister's house that that she sold the land or they they appropriated the land for the dump and she didn't have anything. She couldn't do anything about it anyway, I guess. That's what I understood. But yeah, how horrible. I mean, it was just sickening to see the toxic waste shipped in. Especially because I was just in in Norway, in in Copenhagen, and they they do garbage so well. They just do it so well that, you know, the whole city... And he is heated by their garbage and they shipping in garbage because they, they do it so well that they don't even have enough of their own garbage to incinerate. So they bring in garbage to incinerate, but it's very, very clean. Like they're amazing. People need to look, look to that, to that. This one, um, this one is available for streaming from the Kino now uh, streaming service. And uh, I give it three and a half out of five. Okay. I think I would give it that too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Let's go back. Um, now next we have, we have one of two, although this one, yeah, uh, we have 13 lives, which is the, uh, the latest film from director Ron Howard. It's a recreation of the cave rescue of the boys who were, who were stranded in that, um, uh, cave that was flooded in Thailand several years ago. Um, this one is a really remarkably accurate and, um, authentic recreation of the situation. Technically it's brilliant. Um, it also, uh, you know, gives you a sense of the, uh, the the concern of the world for these, you know, 13 people who were stuck in this cave and how much they never gave up in terms of wanting to save them. Uh, the one thing I did find a little disappointing with it was that um, I, I didn't always feel it gave you the emotional tugs that a story like this really deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with that said, this is still a very inspiring picture that's worth watching. Uh, it was in theaters briefly back in August. It's now available for streaming on Amazon Prime. And this is another one that I would give three and a half stars to. I love Viggo Mortensen. Ah, he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really great cast. Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell, yeah. a great combination together. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one this you said uh, you did not like. No, that, the last two movies I have here are things that I would say stay away from. And, and this one was turned out to be a major disappointment. It's the latest film from George Miller, who is really known, uh, best known for the Road Warrior series. Uh, it's got called 3000 Years of Longing, it tells the story of an, an aging uh, academic who ends up having an unexpected encounter with a djinn while in Istanbul for a conference. And it, she ends up being sort of his... Um, uh listening to his stories i mean it's almost like she's almost interviewing him at some point and i was disappointed in the fact that you know i thought this was going to be a story that was magical and mystical and romantic and it turned out to be just plain boring um, which really is a disappointment because the movie does have some good special effects and obviously with two leads like tilda swin and idris elba you would think that you know hey you've got a dynamic duo here uh, and especially under the direction of George Miller, that that combination would be a winner. And unfortunately, it's just flat. You know it what? They must have agreed with you because in my theaters, they didn't put it on until 10 o'clock at night. Like, I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not going at 10 o'clock at night with the kids. So it was kind of weird. That was weird. But I really, I still want to see it anyway, because I do it's, like it. Tilda's it's, always um, a little off anyway. She's always got a weird old kind of. Well, it, you know, I mean, it might, it might work out better, you know, for streaming purposes, but. You know, it just, it didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
Uh, and lastly, another one that I'd say avoid, and this, I'm kind of out on a limb with this one because yeah, it's gotten a lot I liked of really it. good reviews, <laughs> is The Woman King. And I, I, I had problems with this because it's got a lot of historical authenticity issues. Okay. Um, and, and also the fact that, um, you know, I, I had a friend of mine years ago who was a, a woman who was a business owner. And she was saying to me when speaking with a group of uh, other women, you know, we're all touting ourselves on our successes and so forth, but is it really the best course to follow the way things that men do it in order to achieve it? And in many ways, that's kind of how I felt about this movie. I mean, yes, it's nice to see a, a character that's empowered and inspired from that, in that standpoint, but she's not doing anything different from a bunch of macho schmucks. And to me, I just don't see that as being inspiring. Yeah. Or, you know, in, in terms of in terms of a woman, in terms of women trying to make their points known to the world, sharing their perspective, do they really want to just mimic what men do? Because men haven't gotten it right. Yeah. You know? but, okay. To that point, I would say that the king had his harem. So either you're a yeah. harem or you do something different. And for them, the yeah. different was to be physically you know, fearful, let's say, or fearsome. Mm -hmm. The the underlying, I go deeper than that though. And I look at, at you know, she, she was a woman who was raped. Her story of rape was horrific. She was definitely had PTSD because of it. She had to give up a child, ends up finding that child. And you never stop thinking about the baby that you give away. You never stop really thinking about it. So I think that there was, there was an understory to that too you know, given the abortion issues and, and all of the stuff that's happening right now, it was a little bit timely on that. Um, and, and how she responded as, to, to being a mother, you know, late, later in life, let's say. Um, she did care about, about her people, definitely. And that's why, you know, she, I think she went against the king. But, the, you know, what, what can you do? You know, when, when these kind of patriarchal societies, I mean, they just tell you what you're going to do. And that's it. Yeah. You know, it, like the, I don't know. The the um the one th the one thing to the film's credit is that um it it did take a step that I think a lot of other films have been reluctant to take, and that's showing the fact that the slave trade was not a white only operation. Yes, that was very disappointing. That's very courageous. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people who look at that and say. Uh, oh no, that never happened. That couldn't possibly be true. Well, unfortunately, it was true. Yeah. And there's a lot of documentation to back it up. Yeah. Um, so I will give the film credit for taking that courageous step. Um, however, uh, in terms of the the chronology and the historical narrative, I mean, her character is completely made up. Yeah. And you know, I don't think it pretended think to be of, historical accurate though, did it? I think a lot of people look at these movies and think mm -hmm. they're seeing the historical truth being portrayed to them. And I mean, I it's mean, Hollywood. not only does <laughs> yeah, I mean, not only does it fudge a lot of the facts, but I mean it fudges the fact that with this lead character isn't even a real person. Yeah. So but kudos to Viola Davis for being in a lot of movies this year. Yes. You know, kudos yeah. to that. I mean, she's not young. No, she's not, she's not no. young. So I think that was pretty inspiring on on that, you know, any especially for young black actors who are, you know, are looking, yeah, there's roles. There's roles for us, you know. 
so uh, on this one and also on on three thousand years, uh, my my rating on both of those was two stars. So I would go a little know, higher. On, yeah. I didn't see two, the the other one, but because um, I, I could get to it, but I would go a little bit higher on this one. And and oh, a funny funny little story. Um, talking about this movie because I, you know, the other one is going to come out, I think soon was I met a woman from Wakanda. <laughs> it's like in your neighborhood is like just, just away from Chicago, it's like a suburb or something. She says like 40 miles from Chicago or something. I thought that was kind of funny. Well, I did see the trailer for the, for the Wakanda forever movie. And that looks very impressive. I mean, I, when it comes to black Panther, I was sort of lukewarm on it. I liked it, but didn't love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with this now that, you know, Chadwick Boseman is no longer with us. Yeah. How yeah. are they, you know, how are they going to tell the story from this point going forward? So yeah. I am looking forward to it again and seeing a very impressive trailer. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of really impressive stuff coming out. I mean, this, this looks like it could be a very interesting award season. Nice. And you start to see a lot of those being released in October. Yeah. And in, again, in November. Uh, so in, in upcoming episodes, you'll be hearing about all those movies. And also, we're also in the midst of film festival season. So I'll be talking about a lot of the film festival movies that are coming out as well. There so. is a really good movie coming up. And I can't remember because what it is, but I remember we both looked at each other. Yeah, we have to see that one. What was it? I don't know. Well, well I'm sure you guys will hear about it when we come back. Yeah. Um, but but one, of the ones in particular, one of the ones in particular I'm looking up, looking for that opens this coming weekend yeah. is called Bros, which is the first gay romantic comedy from a big studio. Oh, wow. And that okay. has been getting tremendous reviews in terms of being funny, insightful, and tackling a topic that hasn't been dealt with from a mainstream studio before. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing cool. that. Cool. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop our streaming. Goodbye, Facebook. Okay. It was good to be with you today. Hopefully you'll go see some of these movies because they are they're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good All to right. me. Yeah. And let me just